And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots, Thumper. We've got a great show lined up. I, everybody's uh, running just a little bit late getting on, but we have uh, David Morgan and Kent Lewis are going to be joining us again. It looks like David just came on. Uh, Kent said he was going to be a few minutes late, but they're both going to be here. We're going to be talking about the decline of the dollar. We are starting to see the cascading of all these bank failures. The most recent is a $233 billion uh, First Republic Bank, and uh, it's been failing over the weekend. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's at right now, but it looks to me like it's going to open on Monday morning as a, a bankruptcy and that the FDIC is going to have to come in and bail out another bank. And, and of course, uh, they're saying, no, they're not going to bail out banks. I don't know how they can pick and choose the way they do, but apparently uh, that's going to be in the cards as well. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like the residential selection of a president, uh, you know, they can pretty much do whatever the heck they want to do and to screw the the uh, American people who are paying for all this crap. So uh, all I can say is the world is upside down. Uh, Credit Suisse uh, failed in one of the oldest banks in the world, and it's in uh, Switzerland, no less, a 148-year-old bank just uh, failed. So there's a lot going on, and David, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you've got to say about this, because we're going to be talking about the decline of the dollar, how the dollar is failing, how people are finally starting to realize that uh, there's a problem here that isn't going to get fixed this time around, and they're ready to start moving on to something else. And we're going to be talking about solutions today. So, uh, David, welcome to the program. Thank you, my friend, for joining us again. Uh, This is just incredible what's been going on over the last month. 
And it's just a very, very, we're just seeing the very tip of the iceberg because there's a huge chunk underneath the ocean right now. And we're just starting to see it. So uh, David, welcome to the program. Well, Dan, it's great to be with you, thanks. Well, I'm telling you, this is, uh, you know, everybody keeps talking about it and they don't get it. They don't understand how banks are supposed to work in that basically we've been on a credit binge for God knows how long. And uh, we've got a totally fiat system, have had since 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard. And we've just been printing money like there's no tomorrow. And frankly, we're at the point now where there may be no tomorrow. Uh, if they keep doing this crap. And uh, I think we're going to have to look at other solutions. And that's why you're on today. I'm going to have uh, Candace going to join us in a little bit as well. He was on his way up to his place uh, and said he'd be a few minutes late. But uh, let's go ahead and start talking about the fiat system and what the difference between a fiat system and a system that's backed by something like gold and silver, something that has real validity. Well, Dan, you know as well as me, I mean, I like my three-word moniker, all fiat fails. There's never been an instance in all of recorded history, at least what we're presented, that we didn't have a fiat system that did not fail. Yet, uh, if you go back to a gold-only standard, which has had better success, in a way, they failed as well. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, David, uh, you seem like you're a gold bug or a silver nut or whatever. What's What gives? And what gives is the human element. You know, if you go back to uh, Bretton Woods and what was pounded out after World War II and we were on a dollar standard convertible to gold at $35 an ounce forever and ever, and that's not true because the United States printed more receipts than they had gold to back it up. And so both the United Kingdom and uh, France basically called the bluff of the United States. So was it gold's fault? Hell no. Gold's just an element on the periodic chart being known as money for 5,000 years. It's the free market money. It's what people on their own, when they get to determine what money is, they choose gold and silver. Actually, silver's got a better history for money than gold. But regardless, the idea that I want to make it clear, because you know, there's a lot of people that will come out and say that you know, the gold standard doesn't work either. Well, all these things can work. In fact, you know, in theory, a paper standard could work if and only if there was a direct correspondence to, let's say, that receipt in, on paper and something physical or a service in the economy. In other words, if you limited the amount of receipts relative to the real world, in theory, that would work. It never has. All fiat's failed. I don't want to disregard that. So, Dan, as you outlined at the beginning, we are in a situation that we know is failing. We also know that the can has, has hit the end of it. And now what we need to proceed with is not only our self-responsibility and a bit of humility to get through this, because I think we're going into what's called the Greater Depression, which doesn't mean the end of the world, but it means a huge change of lifestyle for nearly everyone on the planet. 
I mean, even the billionaire class, and you know, I'm going to digress for a minute, and you know me pretty well at this point, Dan, but money doesn't solve all your problems. It can certainly help, and it's certainly um, better than not having money, but let's just take a real rough example, and since we're both uh, Montana types, you know, I want a big old steak, and I, you know, I'm in the billionaire class. I'll pay two Krugerrands for a, you know, 18 ounce ribeye. But if there's any steak available, it doesn't matter how much gold I've got. And that's my point: that uh, money alone won't do it. Coming back to the the broader scale, the banks know that this will fail. They know it's failing, and what they will do is everything possible to retain their power. And if you believe what I believe, that money is power, which means in many instances, it's a means of control, that you have the ability to control governments. You've got, in our situation, uh, top-down, with uh, a lot of your Congress critters are bought and paid for, a lot of your senators are bought and paid for. The lobbyists can run, uh, basically, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate. Now, a lot of these bills are written by lobbyists, not by the Congress critters themselves. And we're in a mess. And so, you know, you can look at it several ways. One way to look at it is you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. I mean, if we had a high integrity set in uh, Congress critters and they were all beyond reproach, they couldn't be bought. And they would mandate what the laws are. But that's not how it works. And there's a direct correlation. I like to say this often, Dan, that the direct correlation between the debasement of the currency and the debasement of the moral structure of the society. And that's what we've seen. We've gone from sound money with respect, integrity, your word was good, contracts seldom were fought over. I mean, yeah, that's what you know the civil and criminal law is about, is you broke a contract. But there weren't too many because people lived up to their word, their contract. And as the depreciation of the currency takes place, people change their attitudes, especially those that are nearer the money spigot. It's like, well, I know what they're doing, and eh, I can fudge a little bit or cheat a little bit or whatever. And that idea becomes pervasive throughout the society. So we are in a mess. And the way looking forward is what do we expect to happen? And uh, I sure you want to dive into that deeper, but. Right now, the banks don't want to lose control. The best thing they could come up with so far is that they want to go to this central bank digital currency, and they may wipe out most of the crypto. They don't like competition. They love monopolies. So if it's installed, and I think it will be, but I think there'll be a lot of resistance to it, but there's going to be their wish to provide a track, trace, and tax every transaction and have a great deal more control than they already have now. Because in today's system with paper money, as much as you may or may not like it, it provides anonymity. If uh, I come over to your place and you know give you uh, 25 bucks to come out with two flats of 18 eggs, uh, you're no, no one's wiser to it. It's a transaction that's free market, private money between you and I, and it's nobody's damn business you know, what we did. But in the new system that they are proposing, uh, those days are long gone. There will be a cashless system, and you will be uh, tracked, traced, and taxed, as I said earlier. I appreciate the fact that uh, what you're talking about is a CBDC that the 
that the Fed is going to try to institute. And uh, China Joe, through an executive order, Executive Order, order 14067, basically put this into um, you know, law, his form of law anyway. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, we, we ended up laying the groundwork back in uh, November of last year for a totally uh, digital financial system based on the same fiat crappy system that we've had in place since 1971, completely unbacked, only this time there won't be any way to track uh, how much money they put into existence or any way with it because it'll be completely digital and it'll be completely up to them how they manage the thing. And that is a scary thought because with that come the kind of controls that we've talked about before, the uh, social credit system, which is a credit system based on all these different factors that are completely uh, under the control of whoever's controlling that social credit system. And in communist China, if you speak out against the state or uh, you jaywalk or whatever you do that they don't like, uh, they can cut off your finances. And that's basically what they're trying to do now, only on a global scale, not just on a national scale, but do it on a global scale and create a system that is pretty much foolproof for the power hungry in charge of the whole thing. That's kind of the nature of the CBDC. And that's why we've got to figure out a way to uh, work around that. And we've got to stop these uh, lunatics from embedding all these policies into our financial system. Exactly, Dan. Well said. I mean, there are avenues right now that are legal and uh, could be are implemented, but they're not really being used. And that is there's three states in the union that have enacted law that you can trade with anyone in the state for gold and silver as long as both parties agree. So so in those states, uh, it might be cumbersome at first, but people adopt really quickly, especially when they're under stress. So let's just say the CBDC comes along, and of course, it'll be voluntary, right? But you volunteer out, and you are in a state where you can use gold and silver. So that's one solution right there. I take it a little bit deeper than that, because from my perspective, and I'm not saying I'm no legal scholar, although I probably know a bit, you know, really, constitutionally, we don't need the states to reinforce what's already in the Constitution, which means, you know, gold and silver are still on the books as, you know, as money. The problem is the way that the government looks at it is that the coinage of the United States from the U.S. Treasury, so the gold eagle and the silver eagle, as they're referred to, are only valid on, on their stamped amount. So like a one ounce silver coin that says $1 uh, obviously is worth, you know, 29, well, you know, 30, 40 fiats. So you're, you know, 
you can't implement it directly that easily. We're in these other states that have reenacted the um, this law. They you take it at basically market price. But I think that could happen regardless of whether a state passes it or not, because again, people under stress will do what they need to to survive. And you know, you have a lot of anonymity with cash, and the ultimate cash, of course, is physical precious metal. So I do think that is partially a solution. The biggest solution, of course, is you know what the bankers want. They want control, power and control. And we need power and control. How do you do that? Well, you have to, you know, have the power to make your own decision and take control of your own destiny. And how do you do that? And you know, it's very easily said than done, but it's just say no and opt out. Just say, look, I'm gonna, you know, whatever I can. The problem, of course, is the system has been set up on what I call the big daddy system for a very, very long And this is that the state owes me a living and I don't know what to do. I'm just a citizen and, you know, I need this authority figure to do this and that authority figure to do that and tell me what to do and what form to sign out and where to put my signature. And I don't know anything. You know, you control me. And this is pervasive throughout our society. I mean, if you go back in the beginning, uh, people had a couple things. They had a law book and a Bible, and they really knew what was going on. And they were very, very independent. And we did have, in the beginning, limited government. We didn't have all these bureaus and bureaucracies and department of this, department of that, and you know all these things that really are unconstitutional, but very few people have been aware of that. They believe that we need all these agencies and all these authority figures to get by in society. And actually, we do not. But people can't even think it through. They believe so strongly that all of these services are needed and required and that life couldn't go on without them, but yet can go quite well. In fact, the United States did very well without an income tax for a number of years, and everyone got along and knew what they made. And then, of course, under the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, along with that came the um, the income tax, and people uh, you know, accepted it. Um, and this is the, the predicament we're in. So all they want is more control. I think people have been controlled enough. It's time to continue to talk on, you know, shares like connecting the dots and let people know not only what's going on, but to have the uh, the ability to think ahead and, you know, take action. And again, it's not easy for most people. Most people will just go along because they don't really have a lot of choice. They are in a predicament where they're required to, you know, get the new bank account in order to sustain their job. And if they don't have a job, they're not going to eat or whatever. And of course, if you're on the benefit side of things, you're going to have to join. I mean, you're not going to get your free this or your free that or your subsidized housing or your subsidized food or your whatever, unless you are in the new system. And what's really scary, uh, and I'll hand it back to you, Dan, is, you know, what I would say 20 years ago, you know, I go back two decades and I would say that financial freedom was freedom. You know, if I had enough, you know, fiat and real money or whatever, and had all my bills and zero debt, and I had this pile of, you know, of reserves, I was pretty free. You know, I could, uh, 
work or not work. Maybe I just do volunteer work. Maybe I start a foundation, help others, you know, whatever. But I had freedom and a lot of choices. And that's no longer the case, as you so aptly pointed out, Dan. You could be a billionaire in China. And if you jaywalk, doesn't matter how financially free you are, you are under their control 100%. And what's really scary about the social credit score, besides controlling every aspect of your life, is how pervasive it is once you are tagged as a bad citizen or a bad person. Because what happens is anyone in your social circle gets dinged as well. So you're ostracized and all of a sudden all your friends that were so you know, meaningful to you and maybe still are, will shun you because they don't want their credit score to go down. So you talk about money being control and money being power. I mean, I already made that case, but in the new system that they're proposing, it's already adopted in China as you outlined. I mean, once it gets to the West, I mean, if you think you have it bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet because yeah. it's going to be... It's going to be, as I think, where I'm going to digress again, where Patrick Henry said, you know, I so you gentlemen, I do not know, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I mean, if you are under a system where you have basically no freedom whatsoever, um, then what kind of a life do you really have? I mean, it's to me, you know, I'm speaking for myself, and it's easy to talk tough until it actually comes, you know, I mean, that's um, I've done a thought experiment. You know, what happens if they've got your kids or whatever? I mean, they can put a lot of pressure on people, uh, people with high moral standards, high conviction, high integrity. Um, some of them can be compromised. I, I just have to say that, not that any of us want that. And this is why it's so important before these things come to the fore that we have as much education as possible so we get as much pushback as possible. And... Uh, we do have the power, but we have to unite. And that's where um, you know, programs like Connecting the Dots are so important. Well, my, uh, my cousin <laughs> sent me an email. She says, what do we do? And I said, well, watch the program and we'll find <laughs> out. Because in, in truth, the reason that we're in the pickle we are today with the banking system is because they raised the interest rates. We had been living on a, a system of basically ginning all this money, but it was at 0% uh, interest as far as debt. And now, because of the inflation and the Biden buck crap, and I, I uh, hope you appreciated that uh, trillion-dollar bill with China Joe on the in front of my announcement, because... That's where we're heading. I think we're going to see at some point, it may not be quite as bad as Zimbabwe, but uh, look at how they've inflated our currency already. I mean, when we were kids, remember the uh, the uh, television show, The Millionaire? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you had a million dollars, it was like you were the richest person in the world. Yeah. Well, guess what? A million dollars is nothing today, and it's because they've they've printed so damn much money and spent so much money that uh, now a billion dollars is what used to be a, a million dollars. And I can see happening within the next couple of years, a trillion dollars will be what used to be a billion dollars. And I, I mean, they just keep running up the tab and printing more and more. And 
if people don't wake up to the reality that this is a big Ponzi scheme, folks, wake up, understand that we can make the difference, but we've got to stand together to be able to do that. And the best way we can do that is get back to some kind of an asset-backed financial system that you cannot just print money. And if they go to the digital system, it's Katie bar the doors. They, they can do whatever they want then because nobody can even track it when they get to that uh, out of control system. And um, I know you know James Turk, but James Turk, when we were trying to do a sound money bill in Montana 12 or 15 years ago, um, he had a depository in the Channel Islands uh, and he set up a whole system at that point where you can use digital gold, that it's 100% backed. And there's no reason we can't do that. We can do a digital system as long as it's audited and there's a way to uh, peg that to a real commodity. And that's kind of, I think, the key to the future. Uh, what do you think about that, David? I do, uh, as I outlined earlier on the uh, international gold standard, Americans couldn't own gold, but internationally, that's how trade was settled. And the system failed because, as I said earlier, the U.S. printed up more receipts and there was actually gold to back it up. The beauty about the blockchain, at least in theory, is that's an immutable ledger. You can't cheat. You cannot print up more receipts than there is actual physical metal there. That's a big plus. That would be the first time in history where you cannot cheat. Every ounce of gold, every ounce of silver is accounted for in a blockchain, and it's really, really there. So again, there is a human element involved there, so I have to state that, yes, it's probably a way to, to mess it up. But in theory, there isn't. In theory, every... Everything on a ledger is immutable. It cannot be changed. It's there or it isn't. It's very, very clear. So that gets around the problem. The other part is the inconvenience of taking a gold or silver coin into a shop. And then, especially now with being outside of a sound money system is, you know, you buy something. So what do you get change in? Take it in fiat? Do you take it in, you know, U.S. Treasury slugs? You know, uh, how do you work it? Whereas... In a blockchain, you can pay an exact amount. You can pay down to the grain of gold or the gram of silver. So you can do an exact amount. It just comes off the ledger and everybody's happy. And lastly, it's the convenience that uh, you don't have to haul around uh, anything. So you've got more safety than you have if you're actually physically walking around and think about it. You know, I just uh, made a payment to uh, someone that's helping me with my report and I paid them in gold. And they were kind of astonished of, you know, how small those gold coins were, but how valuable they were. You know? I said, well, that's a used car right there, you know? So, but you have the convenience, so you don't have to worry about it. You've got your, you know, your asset on your phone um, or on your laptop or wherever, and you can buy whatever you need with real money. So I do think that's the future. I've gone as out on a limb like I've done many times, Dan, and I said, I really think that the next move up in the crypto world will be asset-backed cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. that are 
gold and silver based or maybe some other asset, but primarily, uh, and there's more and more coming on board uh, in that realm. And once they're uh, liquid, meaning you can use a debit card with them or something along those lines, I think you'll have a big rush into those type of cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I agree. And, and <laughs> again, we're not here to give specific investment advice, but you turned me on to about, I don't know, three, four months ago, uh, maybe a little longer, a, a product called Load, uh, L-O-D-E. And uh, I looked into it. I read up as much as I could, did as much research as I could, and it made perfect sense. And that is a product that's actually uh, 100% backed by uh, gold or silver. You can choose which you want to function in. But um, you you can buy an actual load token, and uh, you, and of course they have the AGX and the AUX uh, coins that are part of that, and they're tying that into a uh, debit card. And we've seen that work before. I've had an account at UPMA in Salt Lake City or Alpine, Utah, for um, oh geez, I don't know, probably. 12 years, 10 years, something like that, 10 years, I think. And uh, they have a debit card. And uh, depending on what the the value of silver or gold is, uh, that raises or lowers the value of that debit card. And I actually used it uh, quite a few times when we had a place over in Hawaii because it was so convenient and it was so easy to use it. And I know that it works. I know it functions just fine. Uh, every month I would get a statement from them and it would show how much uh, silver or gold I had uh, spent out of my account on a debit card. And there's some really, really good ideas out there that all they need to do is get an audience and get enough people on board and they'll take off like a rocket ship. There's one here in, uh, in Spokane, uh, very similar. Um, Dale Olmstead uh, started it. I've had a debit card with him probably about the same amount of time, probably about 10 years. And uh, you debit out gold or silver, you get your statement once a month, it shows what your holdings are. And uh, I'm not sure about uh, your system, but on this one, you can also put in fiat. So uh -huh. since the silver I contributed to my account was somewhere up in the range of where we are now, 26 or so. And yet, as we know, silver hasn't been there for a while. So I was spending out the silver for my you know, gas bill or whatever. And Dale informed me or reminded me that you don't have to double, double debit out silver or gold, if you want, you can put fiat on your account and just debit that out. So I entered the fiat mode. So I have a uh, gold, silver, and fiat in my debit card. And so I just run the fiat until I get uh, the par or above par on my silver. And then I will you know, debit out the silver, but it's, it's transparent to the merchant, which makes it a wonderful thing. Because when I put that debit card in the gasoline pump, it doesn't know because it clears through the bank, but it's debited out of a silver and gold account. And the, and here's something about the banking crisis. 
and just do a quick thought experiment. So most of my account is gold and silver and a little bit of fiat in there. But let's say that um, the bank that, that clears this fails, okay? So all of a sudden I wake up Monday morning and this bank that we use fails. Well, guess what happens? I may lose that little bit of fiat that I have in that account, but all the gold and silver is separate from that. So I have actually insured myself with real money that if something does go wrong with the banking system, I'm protected. I'm in a private vault warehoused with my number on it and my account and what my, you know, holdings are and bye bye bank. Well, didn't really affect me. And so that's a really nice feature that most people don't think about until present time where many people are, worried about you know what the future holds and i think he made a very important statement and i want to reiterate it and that is the the system from the fed and the u.s treasury is inconsistent for example we are not supposed to have bail-ins excuse me bail-outs anymore mm -hmm. and that's from the, the legislation to place with dodd frank <clears throat> And I made a video with the uh, Stansbury Research on bail-ins. And that's what's supposed to happen during the next banking crisis. Well, that's not what happened. What happened was they were non-bailout bailouts. But what's a non-bailout bailout? Well, it's a bailout. But since they're supposed to do bail-ins, we'll just make up a new word, right? It's a 1984 Orwellian doublespeak nonsense. But it goes over the heads of most of the public because they're not informed that you aren't supposed to have bailouts. Either. On top of that, there is a very strict written, I won't say in stone, but written on paper that says you're only insured to $250,000. After that, sayonara, Charlie. Well, that's not what happened either. It came in and said, well, those rules don't really apply this time. <laughs> what applies is that we're going we're gonna to make all those accounts whole. In fact, there's one that was purportedly at $3 billion dollars. Be a pretty big loss. So there we go with uh, what happened at Silicon Valley Bank. The problem is that that inconsistency and that non-adherence to what the law already stated means what happens next. And Janet Yellen basically indicated that not only do they not know, but they might treat another bank in a different way than they did this one. So now people really have to work. Well, am I insured if I have over 250000 like the people at SVB? Or will they go back to the old rule and say, no, anything over two fifty we absorb? Or what if they say there aren't any bailouts? Not for your bank. We get You get bailed in. And now you get a receipt for your old deposit, and your 250000 now you get this receipt. And in everything that's happened so far, when it's taken place in Cyprus and a few other places in the world, once you're able to turn that equity back into cash, you get five cents on the dollar. So you've lost 95% of what your deposit was. So these are very, not only interesting, but trying times. And you know, once this type of thing happens, and it is happening, we are having massive bank failures, as you outlined at the beginning of the show, it will wake up a lot of people, but unfortunately, after the fact, not before the fact. And that's why, you know, we need to have these dialogues and get it out as much as possible so people can anticipate what the possibilities are. And I love 
no lose bets. I mean, let's just do another real quick thought experiment. If you take all your money out of the bank, which is almost impossible to do, depending on your account size, but if you're get it all in the cash, there's really not much downside other than maybe you lose it or someone would rob you, which is a remote, remote possibility. But at least if the bank goes down, you still have your cash. And so if you're wrong and you decide, oh, the bank is sound again, you put your cash back in there. In other words, you can't lose by doing that. But people don't look at it that way. They don't think about the ownership theory of money. They think that they own their deposit, but they do not. You are considered to be an unsecured creditor of the bank. So when you make a deposit, even though it's a deposit, it's a liability on the other side of the ledger, which means that the bank can be bailed in, and if it's in trouble, take your deposit legally. There's, it's totally legal for them to do so. And if that lesson is learned, meaning that bail-ins do take place, and I'm certainly not going to rule them out. It's on the books. It's, it's actually the law. Mm -hmm. Then there'll be a lot of people that will really be uh, upset with the banking system. On the other hand, I'll look at the other side. If they implement the CBDC and they just exchange your deposit for the new system, which really is not much different than what we already have, it's just that uh, cash will go away and the direct you will be directed uh, with the Fed directly. There won't be as many intermediaries as there are now. Uh, then um, they can do, as you said, Dan, you won't even know what the true money supply looks like. All you'll know is that you've got X in your account, and they could do stuff that we've talked about privately and on other shows. You know, they could make it uh, time-dependent. Whatever your allotment is for the month, if you don't spend it all by the end of the month, it goes away, it blows away. So you're encouraged to spend. Or the opposite, you know, you drove too much, so you don't get to buy any fuel next month. And on and on it goes. It's a very scary situation that um, they're proposing for us. Yeah, you're right. Well, um, I'm glad you brought up bail-ins. Let's kind of get down to, I, I know that most people of our in our audience have a pretty good idea how the banking system works, but... Uh, there's a lot of people that still have a hard time understanding banking and financing. And um, first of all, they need to understand one thing. With the U.S. dollar, there's no such thing as an asset. It's all credit. Everything that has anything to do with our currency is based on debt and not on an asset. That was the biggest difference when we went away from gold and silver backing our monetary system to a totally fiat system, because now they create the money with the co-option of the treasury, and uh, every dollar that comes into existence is another dollar of debt, and it's based on the very concept that there's no such thing as that there. It's all debt. That's why it says uh, notes on the dollar bill. People think it's money, but it's not. It's currency. There's a big difference. 
I see you have a nice 1776 token shirt on, David. We we applaud you. <laughs> yeah, more for you, Dan. <laughs> well, we should probably keep recording. I mean, uh, you just came yeah, in. Yeah, well, we are. About- we're, we're still live, so we're still live. So let's. Uh, but uh, he was talking about the, you know, the the system and how. You know, people don't really understand banking. And if you look at your dollar bill, it's it's got a note on it. And a note is an instrument of debt. And uh, sorry I'm late, fellas. Uh, had to run to uh, Home Depot about 40 miles from here. And the it, it's a first nice day in the Rockies, and uh, everybody thought they'd come up to the mountains. Traffic. <laughs> There you go. Well, uh, Kent, um, I'm I'm sorry, David. I don't know what's going on, but my uh, my internet is just really lousy today, and I think maybe it's because of the subject we're talking about. But uh, who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyway, Kent, good to see you, my friend. And uh, uh, we were talking about the whole fiat banking system, but. The bail-ins, that's a concept that didn't exist until after 2008. And uh, really what it boils down to is uh, there had to be a way that the banks could take everything that's on deposit and use that to bail the bank out. If uh, they started to have a run on the bank or they started to have problems with liquidity, uh, they could actually draw from uh, all of their accounts of the various customers. And they they did an experiment with that. Uh, David, you start talked uh, very briefly about it, but that started with an experiment in Cyprus. And because of the Greek banking system was in so much trouble, had so much trouble with liquidity, uh, they tried it in Cyprus, and one of the reasons they did Cyprus is because there were a lot of uh, Russian oligarchs that had one heck of a lot of money in Cyprus, and they thought, wait a minute, we can bail out ourselves, and we'll use this Russian money to do so, and that's basically what they did, isn't it? It is. A lot of them got out was what was reported. I don't know. I haven't seen the books. And if they hand you the books, who knows if they're rigged or not. But yeah, and that's where I got the number. They got five cents on the dollar. So the people that were bailed in, it was probably the poor citizenry and some of the oligarchs probably um, did not do well when they became an equity holder in the bank and found out what the bank's really worth. Yeah, they lost 95 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Very, very sad. Uh, happened in Spain as well. Same same uh, situation. I think they got about five cents on the dollar as well. So it doesn't look good if you are in a bail-in situation. The other thing I want to point out, Dan, is that uh, to go back, Argentina has a currency failure about every decade. And I think it was in the 2000 crisis. But what they did instead of um, bailing in, they basically froze your account. So if you had 20,000 pesos or 120,000 or 2 million, didn't matter. What mattered was your deposit was there. Oh, Dan, your money's still in the bank. Don't worry about that. The only situation is this. 
you only get to withdraw 200 pesos a week. Well, what good does that do you if your mortgage is 4,000 a month? You're done. And so, and yet the bank just smiled, your deposit's safe, it's still here. You can't get to it. So again, this control thing that we keep talking about where these bankers want to control every aspect of your life through the monetary system. So you could have a deposit that's still there, but really isn't useful because you do, do not dictate how you get to spend, quote unquote, your currency. And you know that's another example of the amount of power that these uh, banking elites actually have over the lives of ordinary people. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And one of the reasons that uh, uh, Kant is joining us on this discussion, this conversation, is because of blockchain, because of the idea that if people wake up to what uh, what a scam, what a um, uh, Ponzi scheme, the whole Federal Reserve System and most central banks, banking systems are, um, and understand that blockchain can actually provide an alternative that is pretty darn legitimate, then uh, we've got a chance to save this thing. And I know that's they're going to go after the cryptos, and um, they're going to try to end the use of cryptos, but I'm not sure they can get away with it because there are too many people right now are starting to wake up to the reality that uh, cryptocurrencies, if they're based on a good sound blockchain technology where that ledger, you can't dink with that ledger, it's there, and it's there for a lot of people. That's why, um, you know, certainly um, uh, cryptos have been very popular uh, of late is because it does provide a little bit different alternative, and most of them can operate outside of any sort of a central banking system. Sure. <clears throat> Okay, hey, Ken, uh, Ken, you know, I'd like time to for just, you to come in, yeah. I'd like to just real quick address another major misconception that most people have about the existing banking system. And everybody out there, you really need to listen up and understand this. Uh, so people seem to believe that their deposit accounts are insured up to $250,000. Well, that's what they advertise, but they're not. And they're, it's a scam. And the reason that it's a scam is because Dodd-Frank put derivatives paid out before deposit accounts. And depending on what you look at, der derivatives are anywhere from one quadrillion to two quadrillion. Nobody really knows. But it doesn't matter on the number because there's not enough currency in the world to be able to pay that off. And so when you get to this second position to pay off deposit accounts, there's not enough money. And I can continue on that particular topic, but let me move over to uh, blockchain. In that, you know, I was on an interview with Dan uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, with the cryptology expert and i had posed a question to the a very brilliant very very nice man very smart 
very informed, worked for the NSA for years. And I asked him the question, did did Shatoshi ever exist? And he paused and he said, Satoshi was a group of people. He said, I know. And so there was a white paper that came out by the NSA, I believe in 1996, that was very eerily similar to Satoshi's white paper on Bitcoin. Then when you look at the hash that's used for Bitcoin specifically, it was invented by the NSA. Same thing with Ethereum, okay? So I'm under the impression, and I do not know for sure, but I know how to connect dots. I'm on the Connecting Dots radio show. And it seems to me that the powers that be invented Bitcoin to get people involved into a cashless society. And they're going to, at some point to try to either incorporate it in by allowing the banks to hold deposit. Well, you can creep, keep your crypto, but it's got to be held at deposited at your local bank. And I think that's one of the only reasons that local banks might be able to stay in business, potentially, uh, because they are going to make uh, local banks uh, the depository for cryptocurrency. So That's interesting. I... I uh... I'm gl- glad you brought that aspect up. I think, David, uh, um, I hadn't, you know, we've talked about this, but I hadn't thought about the crypto still being used as a, a medium of exchange with local banks. That's a kind of a new a new twist to this, and that's, that's funny that you bring that up. Now, um, <laughs> I was on that same conversation, and... Jeff Wright, who was the gentleman that was a cryptologist, I mean, he's been, he's worked the very, very top of the food chain with cryptology, with computers, with software design. He's worked at uh, the highest levels. And he said that. He said, when you asked him about Satoshi, yeah. uh, if that was an individual, he said, no, I don't believe so. I believe it was a group. Uh, and like you, he said the same thing. I cannot prove that, but the evidence is pretty clear that this wasn't just one guy's mm-hmm. idea. Right. Yeah. So. Well, uh, David, um, <laughs> what we're talking about, and this is where load comes in and, you know, groups like load or UPMA or that actually, Uh, operate with precious metals backing whatever they're talking about doing. Uh, I know there's a crypto called Avalanche. It's supposed to be backed uh, with precious metals. There are other uh, crypto offerings out there that are supposed to be 100% backed by gold or silver. I think this is a, a really legitimate thing as long as you can keep the human factor out of it. But as you said earlier, that's what happened to the whole gold uh, banking system was that they started printing more receipts and they had the gold to back. And that happened 
certainly in 1971, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, it was because all of the great society and Vietnam War, I mean, LBJ did more to bankrupt this country than any human being alive. And if there's ever somebody that ought to go down in infamy, infamy it would be Lyndon Baines Johnson and that crazy crap he pulled, as well as uh, certainly, um, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Roosevelt family. Because uh, between... Uh, Teddy and um, certainly Franklin Roosevelt, uh, they were wild socialists. There's no question about that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's uh, not much I can add to that, Dan. I mean, I think you outlined it pretty well. There is uh, what you see right now is what you see at the end of all great inflations. What is that? That's a competing currency. In other words, people start to figure out this thing isn't going to end well. I've got to take, take some action. So this is why you see, oh, uh, you know, community dollars. Ithaca dollars is one that comes to mind. There's a lot of communities that are, you know, not necessarily very large, but they actually have their own network where they have more or less a barter system, but they use, uh, you know, labor dollars or whatever because. The thing about money is it's very efficient. You know, you, you can't, you know, a true barter system is very difficult to make a lot of transactions, but with money, it's, it's immediate and it's transparent and it works really well. So this has been done before, but we've never seen it in the electronic age where we have the ability to have this blockchain system and be able to back it with physical metal and make it as convenient and as quick and as, um, let's say convenient as, as it is. And that's why you're going to see more and more of these. I mean, as you outlined, Dan, there's more than, I don't know how many there are, to be honest, but there's probably 10 or 12 or 20. I really don't know, but I know there's several out there. And this is really what you need. You need competition in the marketplace. And coming back to something you said earlier, which really I think needs to be restated is, you know, we had this zero interest rate policy for quite some time. And if you think about, you know, the value of an interest rate, it puts on what the risk is and what the reward is of money. But if something's worth zero, it's really not worth very much. And that's what they really, if you think about it, that's, that's what the Fed was telling us, is that these dollars have zero interest on it. They're not really worth anything. But of course, that's not how the marketplace took it. They looked at it as cheap money and let's borrow all we can and we can just spread it around and take high risk and we don't have any any guilt because if it fails, we don't have any interest to pay on it anyway. And this is, again, getting to the end of the game. Game is ending. It's pretty much ended some time ago, but history won't show that until retrospect. Regardless, what will the new system look like? We've discussed. Kent's here to help us out. We're in a system that doesn't work. And more and more people are understanding that. So they are workarounds. And there's a lot of barter exchanges by them. It's just as, uh, you know, which can be done. It's a little bit cumbersome. But, you know, as a dentist or something like that, you could put up your dental services for someone that does yard work or, you know, things like this. And, it can work, but again, money is the most efficient 
And that's why I think, as we've outlined, going with money on the blockchain is probably going to be at least one of the better solutions. Yeah, I agree. And Kent's uh, on this because he's put together an idea that I think is phenomenal, and that's a local food stock market. Um, Kent, kind of explain how that uh, system, how you are putting that program together, because that is a barter system, but it allows whoever's involved in it to determine how they want to, how do they want to tokenize or how they want to uh, arrange the barter, how they want to, if they want to do it in gold and silver, if they want to do it by trading uh, one type of food to another, however they want to do that. Uh, so with localfoods.market, it's exactly what the domain name indicates. It's local foods. And then you can pay with gold, silver, different types of bartering. Uh, 1776 token, which value is based on, you know, right now, thousands of food items you can purchase with the 1776 token. Um, but as we, you know, to, to take a, that explanation from a different angle, in 2022, from my count, I recently saw a different count that I haven't verified, but it was quite a large number. It wasn't 114. Um, it, it was a much higher than 114, but let's just use 114 major food facilities or distribution plants that, uh, burn to the ground. Then you've got different weather events. Okay. And so it, we're already looking at worldwide food, food scarcity because of this so-called war in Ukraine supply chains. And to add on top of that. Uh, they are, have announced that they're, they're going to start putting the mRNA nanotechnology graphene oxide injection into beef, into cattle. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I last week posted a bunch of different research on a Bill Gates smirk product called Appeal. Anybody out there, look it up. AP. E E L mm -hmm. A P E E L and don't use a, a mainstream source because they're going to say it's the best uh, thing since uh, sliced bread. Um, but it contains, I know for sure it contains estrogen, you know, to go along with the transgender agenda, but they advertise it is, is starting to make, make vegetables look fresher. Right. The entire point that I'm getting at is the, in the very near future, when you go to the store, there's going to be food scarcity of certain items. What items there is is going to be because inflation is going to keep going up. Okay, they have, no matter what the Federal Reserve tells you, it's a Ponzi scheme. They must keep printing money, or let me scratch that word, keep printing currency to keep the Ponzi scheme going. Okay. It doesn't matter if they spend it in, in uh, Ukraine or 
to, to bring migrants up from South America. They've got to keep printing this currency. It's a, it's a Ponzi scheme. Okay. So, and they're going to keep raising interest rates. Okay. So we can discuss that prank call in which Powell announced two more interest rates mm -hmm. yet to come. Um, the point is, with supposedly with Ukrainian presidents. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. When we when we go to the store, the food that there is is going to be expensive, and it's your if you eat the food from the store, if you go out to eat at the restaurant, you're going to be eating the injection. Mm -hmm. For anybody out there that doesn't know what I mean, the COVID fake vaccine, okay? That's what they've done. So we created a platform called Local Foods Where You Grow Local. And we've got local ranchers, local home food growers, uh, local farmers, okay? So I saw a couple years ago that we were going to have to create local economies, local marketplaces, and that's what you do with localfoods.market is you create a local marketplace. You can grow your own your food at home. If you got access, you can advertise it for sale. Okay. And then you can use bartering gold or silver. Uh, right now it's the 1776 token. And as we proceed, we'll be adding in additional uh, digital assets. And uh, th those who desire to remain human, uh, because according and I know I'm getting off on a on a tangent here, but but I'm on a roll, guys. I gotta go, I gotta tell the world this. According to a 2013 mm -hmm. Supreme Court ruling, if you take anything yep. knowingly or unknowingly to alter your DNA, you are no longer human, and you can be patented. Okay, so the people out there that took the injection now. There is propaganda. Again, if you if you look that up on Google, it's going to say, no, you cannot be patented. But I just read it this week again, and there's a section right at the end of that ruling that says, that leaves the door open, that if you change your DNA, you can, in fact, be patented. Okay? So um, it's, it's diabolical. It's satanic. And uh, I say... Uh, I say let's create our own currencies. Let's use a load, which is backed by gold and silver. Let's use the 1776 token that is not in any exchanges, that we created a private membership association, and our currency is only used within our PMA. And, you know, we're not looking to compete it, it by any means with uh, fiat currency. That would be illegal. We don't do anything illegal, David. David's got that three percenter shirt on, so he is an extremist. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure you guys heard, but uh, red pill now has uh, been uh, labeled by the FBI as uh, uh, a terrorist term, and if you uh, if you use the term red pill, you've got to be a white supremacist or a terrorist. Yeah, I've got one too. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, this is this is unbelievable what's going on. But David, uh, 
what Kent's talking about doing, you've been talking about this too. And if there's a way that we can get back to um, a, a financial system that cannot be uh, cheated, and I, I know there's a way to do that, but blockchain backed by gold and silver or as Kent's doing with his uh, whole foods dot market, uh, where you can actually create a medium of exchange that works on a local level. Now, uh, Kent, you're doing that nationwide. That isn't just local. You're going to do it nationwide, but it will it will be a bunch of different local markets working together, and that way you create a big enough overall market where. Um, it allows a lot more exchange to take place. We're worldwide. Uh, we've got uh, coming up on a thousand different masternode owners. When you're a masternode owner with us, you get your own local marketplace. You get your own domain name. So localfoods.market forward slash uh, Tucson. Or, or what have you, uh, mm -hmm. at, you know, forward slash Texas. And then we assign zip codes to it. And then when people go in and, and that the seller wants to represent 1776 token as an option, then they buy the 1776 token from the master owner of that particular uh, local marketplace. Franchise. And yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't use that word. Don't use that word. Uh, independent uh, distributorship. Uh, but we're worldwide. We've got coming up mm -hmm. on a thousand different master nodes. We've got uh, clients anywhere from all over the UK, Ireland, uh, Germany, uh, Spain, uh, Belgium. I said Belgium. Uh, Australia, you know, so we're, you know, uh, we're worldwide and, and, you know, they're starting to crack down on the people of Australia. You know, they've put in the initial uh, foundation for people not to be able to grow their own food. And we're telling the people of Australia, you know, when are you going to say enough is enough? You know, they're, they're forcing transhumanism on you people. You know, I understand that this conversation today is about, you know, the collapsing banking system, but what actually goes hand in hand with the collapsing banking system is I don't believe that you're going to get your central bank digital currency wallet. So people out there, what I, what I'd like you to understand is if there's going to be two more interest rates, I would assume, because I don't know for sure, that we're going to see a lot more small banks fail, depending on mm -hmm. the where the, the portfolio of the smaller bank is structured. If they're heavily vested into treasury bonds, the more they raise interest rates, the, the less uh, capitalization that particular bank has, the less liquidity. And so I... In my opinion, this is intentionally being done in order to force the smaller banks out of business in order to have the last six corporate banks 
standing. And then what they'll do is they'll issue, you know, Fed now goes live in July. That is the, in my research, because other people have a different opinion. I believe that Fed now is the front end of, of the central bank digital currency. And according to the d- digging and the deep research that I did, uh, Depository Trust Corporation, DTCC, uh, which is a holding company for the central banks of all the world, 177 central banks around the world are members or owned by this uh-huh. DTCC. And they worked hand in hand with the project called the Digital Dollar Project to create a back end settlement, a clearing and settlement back end. So when in software, you've got this front end Fed now, and they're billing it as a, hey, pay anybody 24-7. Try it. You'll like it, Mikey. You know, it's it, so it'll basically, it'll replace Zelle and potentially PayPal and uh, Venmo and, and all these other uh, literally Federal Reserve payment back uh, portals. Okay. And then when they attach this back into the front end, it becomes a central bank digital currency. And like when mm-hmm. I was, uh, when I came into this conversation, David was explaining to everybody that this is absolute complete slavery because it's programmable and they will be able to put geographic spending limits within the 15 minute cities like they're doing in Oxford, uh, England, like they've started to do in some parts of Australia where they're not 15 minute cities, fellas, they're five minute cities. Yeah, and I was yeah. joking with at least somebody on a conference call the other day. I said, "Hey, man, at least he's got more ten minutes than you, or ten more minutes than you." And uh, but that's what this is all about: is total control within a transhuman society. Um, and, and just let me make one, one other th- uh, mention. Uh, I was uh, uh, one other point, and then I'll, I'll pipe up. It's important that people know this. Max Egan, my friend Max Egan had a uh, a video out the other day. And these people were walking into the store and they, they were walking up to the counter. And they'd already paid. They, 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 they had already walked up to the counter and they'd already been charged for the goods that they had. Well, what they were assuming was is it had charged their card. That was the assumption that this, whoever put out this short clip was. No, it's not what they did. The readers are picking up the Bluetooth signal and the MAC address in which the people that took the injection are emitting. That's what I proved in part two of my report that I did at Red Pill Expo. And I did a, a, an interview on the Morgan report with uh, David Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, uh, right, right on with that. And uh, there's a gentleman at Load. His name is Cash Amadi. Uh, he's in Melbourne, Australia. He's going to be doing a program with me on Tuesday afternoon talking about that. But it, we, we were on air a while back, and he said, 
this is happening right now in Australia. This whole social credit system is happening. And you're right about the 15-minute cities. They're calling them 15-minute for now. But you're right. They want five-minute. They want you. That's why they're building all these four-story buildings all over the country that have three stories of residential on the top three stories and a business on the bottom floor. They want the people working in that business living in the same building so that uh, they yeah. literally don't have to use any carbon uh, to travel around. This is this is the way they've got this thing planned. It's all Agenda 21. I know we're getting out on a, a bit of a limb here, but uh, we all know that because we know what these guys have been selling. David, uh, <laughs> you're you're not a big Agenda 21 guy, but you know exactly what we're talking about, right? I do. Yeah, I don't go down that trail too often, but uh, yeah, there's so much to this. I mean, just to back up Ken, Kent rather, <clears throat> Kent, uh, you know, this has all been pre-planned, or almost all of it. And this idea that you are no longer human is a fact. And the idea that you can um, be, be tracked because you have uh, some nanobots in you is a fact. And uh, they don't. They want to basically eliminate the, the human race. I mean, this is uh, what this whole thing is about. And they want to depopulate a great deal. Uh, this is where if we have scarce resources uh, and let's say you have an oil shortage, uh, but the population is cut in half, just as a thought experiment, then uh, you might not have such an oil shortage, you know, if you have half the demand. Well, a lot of people don't know, Dan, and I know Kent, and you know this, but from the time Kennedy was assassinated to right now, the population of the world has doubled. And if you look at the uh, really well-known and almost overly praised investor named Warren Buffett and how great he was, and certainly he is well-known and he's done well. But really, if you analyze what he did on his picks of companies, they're all based on population expansion. You know, you look at it, food or razor blades or C's candy or McDonald's or Coca-Cola or any of these things. They're growth companies because there's more people buying that consumable every year. And it's, not, it's certainly not a bad strategy. What I'm pointing out is, is that this cannot continue. I mean, there's a, a correlation between the money supply, actually the oil supply, and how big the population increase is could not have had a doubling of the population since 1963 globally without cheap energy. It's responsible not only for transportation, but it's also responsible for the what was called at one time, and it's a different connotation when we talk about it now, the Green Revolution. And I know there's this other green thing, and I'm going to put that to the side. The Green Revolution was basically monocrop agriculture. We're probably getting far, far away from... Uh, from our main topic, Dan, but you asked me to interject my thoughts, and, mm -hmm. and there they are. We have got a system that has been overly amped up in an abnormal way. If you look at the way a monetary system can work, where it's equal, fair, and beneficial to all, 
you have an expansion of the money supply of about one and a half percent a year because that's basically with the increase in the gold supply. And the free market determines what the cost of money is. You don't have a bunch of uh, backroom deals going, which is just an analogy. It is really backroom. But anyway, the point being that the banks could control the bond rates. The Fed does the discount window. In a real free market, the market determines what the interest rates are. And that has uh, an effect of really making the economy a better functioning system than it is when it's controlled. And it's gone from a controlled economy that's got all kinds of problems to a massively controlled economy, which is what they propose. And as Ken has said, we need to do things. And Ken, I commend you publicly for probably the most important thing of all. I mean, outside of air and water, it's food. And to get, you know, clean food, organic food, food that actually nourishes the human uh, is extremely important. And you've done something about it. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, David, what you're talking about, you're absolutely right. This could not have happened if we were on a gold standard. We could not have created this scenario. They have done it because they intended it that way. Um, and, and my comment on, on the population, that's a perfect example. Uh, the population couldn't have done what it's done if we were on a gold standard because there wouldn't been enough money to do all the expansion that we've done. We've been able to create the, the nightmare that now they're going to fix. And the way they're going to fix it is by eliminating 93% of the world's population. The United States, uh, average, um, average Americans, let, and I'm, you know, I'm not getting into a white versus black thing, but let's just say your average uh, white Americans uh, are not uh, increasing the population. As a matter of fact, the population is going down in most of the European developed countries. The place where the populations are exploding is in the underdeveloped countries. And the reason they're exploding is because uh, we are sending all this money and all this food uh, there and allowing it to explode. And what we're seeing now is a result of, as you say, uh, uh, something that should be a positive, which is cheap energy. Uh, they're trying to, to end that. They're trying to destroy that. And that's what the Green Movement is all about. And they state openly in their documents, in Agenda 21 documents, in the uh, Biodiversity Treaty documents, that the world's population has to be radically reduced. And uh, here comes along guys like uh, Bill Gates, vaccine programs and all these wonderful things to give us a healthy, wonderful world and what's happening. We're, we're calling the herd. We're seeing the herd called. And it's been done in ways that uh, couldn't have happened had we not had the debauched monetary system that we've had for the last 75 years. Well, 90% of all currency 
90% of all currency has been printed in the last three years under Biden. Now, I know that you said that uh, LBJ played a big role in uh, bankrupting uh, the country, but I'd argue that uh, Biden uh, digitally uh, printing uh, approximately 90% of all currency in existence, mm-hmm. um, you know, is uh, is up there as well, as, as are all presidents, because all presidents went above and beyond uh, the gross domestic product in uh, uh, periodically for about six years now. And I think for about six years, we've been talking about it's time to do it. You know, it's the time. Well, I got to tell you, people out there, if you are not at least have the materials, have the seeds, organic seeds, mm-hmm. uh, to start your own garden, uh, figuring out local connections for vegetables, for beef, and you did not take the injection, you're going to take the injection. Okay. And so not only that, you're going to be subject to government tyranny once the inflation gets so high and then they switch us over to a CBDC, you know, and if you're not injected, are you going to qualify for that wallet directly with the Federal Reserve? And nobody knows the answer to that, but knowing the agenda, mm-hmm. you know, you might qualify, but what the plan is, is for artificial intelligence to take over, I'd say 70%, maybe even 80% of all jobs. And that's being done. Um, I'm not sure how much anybody out there has lucked into uh, the the uh, new chat uh, bots out there that Google has put out, that Microsoft has put out. You know, they, you know, mm-hmm. they're both extraordinarily just wow. Is that for real? Impressive and pure, pure, pure evil. In, yeah. in the same breath. Talk about that, that uh, new program, uh, that chat. I, I, uh, because there's a lot of people, that's just a, a fairly recent thing that we're hearing about it. And it's a way to communicate with artificial intelligence. Explain how that works, if you would, Ken. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, basically, it's just a software program. But they have to put it in in basic terms. But you know, you can ask it any question to to write you. You know, here's a good example: an engineer for Twitter uh, took the week off, and he, when he got back to work, he said, uh, "You know, hey, so and so, whatever they call the." The, the artificial intelligence said, hey, what would I have been doing during this week? And can you write up a summary? And furthermore, can you write all the code for me that I would have wrote 
when I, during my absence when I was gone. It took it five seconds to write mm-hmm. the summary and all the code. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Now, when they start putting yeah. this, when they start putting this into humanoid-looking robots, androids uh, that that walk around look like humans. Okay. Uh, we haven't seen anything yet. And a lot of people say that that's coming yet this year. And, you know, when you, you know, talking about the, the upcoming banking collapse, when you start looking at them telegraphing new scamdemics, when you look at the thousands thousands of fighting age Chinese coming over the Southern border. I saw a video yesterday, mm-hmm. busload after busload, wave after wave. WTF. Really? Seriously? And then you, I could throw in, you know, the, the food crisis, inflation, uh, uh, social, so we're going to have at some point when, when they decide to do what they're going to do, this is going to be total pandemony, social unrest, like the world has never seen because you got everybody armed and they're going to turn, you know, and it's complete speculation. You know, why are thousands upon thousands of Chinese coming over? Are they going to collapse this and and have this all coincide near simultaneously? You know, potentially we could have power outages. We could have, and I don't think we'll have an EMP because they want the infrastructure. But, you know, and and I I don't know, and I don't want to be Mr. Conspiracy Theory because, you know, I tend to try to connect the dots and have a good premise for what I say, that's why within all my reports, I, I usually get called names and a conspiracy theory, and I'm told I don't know what I'm talking about. Just like in my uh, part two of my report eight months ago, okay? If you look some of these interviews with some of the researchers, scientists, et cetera, doctors, et cetera, et cetera, this is about transhumanism and controlling the human mind. It's exactly what it is. And anybody out there that doesn't understand what's going on, I, I don't know what to say at this point. Well, I, uh, I, it, yeah. Ken, I, 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 no, I, I don't think you're uh, way off base here. I don't think David would think so either because I've had a lot of guests on my program that have talked about this whole movement to transhumanism. And a lot of people don't understand, but this has been in the works for a very, very long time. And uh, what they're talking about, uh, you say, why are they bringing all these Chinese troops in? They've also got them on our northern border. Um, And all I can tell you is do you think you could disarm the American people with the U.S. military? I doubt it, because the U.S. military would uh, have enough patriots in there that they would 
they would say, no, we don't want to allow this to happen. But the UN has been, uh, the US has been bringing UN troops into this country for uh, the last 20 years. And I think UN troops would be more than happy to disarm the American people. Uh, I, you know, there's, there's so much to this, and I don't want to get into conspiracy theories either, but fact is, is there's a hell of a lot of conspiracy going on, and they've been going on for a long time, and frankly, I think we've got to be stupid if we don't at least acknowledge that there's a possibility with this. So anyway, go ahead. David, uh, Kent, whichever, go ahead. I'll defer to Kent. I was. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to be one of we, the we wackos. Have a, <laughs> I got we have problems. a friend named. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know David's very conservative. I watch all of his interviews, and he's so spot on. And he, but he's very conservative. He's a gold and silver guy, you know. And David does not go out unless he can prove it. Does not go out on a limb. And that's one of the things that I admire about him. And I missed to go out on the limb, far out on the limb. But when I go out on the limb, I know their agenda and I'm able to make a connection, whether the evidence be circumstantial or more hard uh, information based. Okay. And I don't, the other thing is quite Frankly, I don't give two blankety blanks what anybody thinks about me. Okay. I'm here to help people. I'm here to tell people the truth. And you can either take action and do something to help you and your family. Listen, I'm not saying that that, that I know everything by any means. Okay. But I got to tell you, you got to start preparing now. Because there's not, you know, what food there is, it's going to be really expensive. And another thing, anybody out there listening to me right now that took the injection, okay, do your own research, but go out there and research what you need to do to neutralize the ingredients of this injection, okay? Because if you don't, you would not only have greatly reduced your lifespan but the facts indicate that you are going to be artificial intelligence or excuse me artificial intelligence or ai mind controlled that is just a fact okay yeah so it'll be programmable you know my only intent is to help people okay and because, you know, I grew up such a patriot of, of this once amazing, great country. And to see what's happening and to, to, to a certain level, understand what's happening and to be able to have a conversation with, with you two is, 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 is quite, to me, quite amazing. Okay. And, you know, all I did was shut off the TV, number one about 10 years ago and I started researching and I haven't watched network TV in like nine years. I'll watch a movie here and there, 
Okay. But that should be people's number one move. And I said, every time I'm on your show, probably the most important thing that people can do is throw this in the trash. This is the gateway. I have factually proved that this is the gateway. And this right here, they're able to send frequencies and just put thoughts into your mind. Okay? That is, listen, anybody out there that doesn't believe me, email me, kent at freedom.social. I'll send you over to report. Do your own research. Go through the links. Go, go through the information. You know, I'm on a show today with two gentlemen that are more precious metals based, uh, more uh, conservative. And I, I admire and respect that, you know, and, and they don't really go or at least I'll speak for David Morgan doesn't go out on a on a limb with, you know, what's so-called conspiracy theories. But, you know, I don't really what I do is I take on conspiracy theories and I make a conspiracy fact. Okay. And um, people out there that's listening, um, ED, uh, one solution that people out there look up uh, Dr. Anna Mihalshitz. Mihal, <laughs> I shouldn't. Let me uh, go and find her because uh, I can't say her last name. It's very difficult to say. But this uh, this particular doctor, and you could spell her name, H. Is that, is that Mikowitz? No, it's not, Dan. Okay. It is H-A-L-C-E-A-M-I. Hmm. Okay, H-A-L-C-E-A-I. Okay, she is absolutely amazing. She is doing such high-level extraordinary work with and generally trying to help people um uh, you know she she works uh generally with uh she she has worked with uh uh worked with uh uh different uh, doctors mm-hmm. um you know that you would know but her work is it, it's it's amazing you know and she uh, you know like i do but she actually does the work. The only thing that I do is I look at people's work like hers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she does. Let me give you a couple examples. She did her own microscopy on uh, store-bought beef versus beef that she bought from a local farmer. The store-bought beef had an extraordinarily large amount of nanotechnology in it. The one that she bought from the local farmer still had it a little bit because it's eating the grass and they're spraying the nanotechnology via geoengineering. Okay. Uh, she also found it in half and half. Okay. So it's in, in the dairy products as well. Okay. And so what I do every day is it's been scientific, scientifically proven. I take natokinase, okay, and I oh. do this every day. And it's been scientifically proven to uh, neutralize the nanotechnology, okay? Really? Another thing wow. is, uh, I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but, but I really want to help people out there because I don't want to see you people be the victim or 
you know, whatever they're going to do to people with these frequencies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, there are different things out there in which you can do to, to neutralize the nanotech was in fact, because if you go over to Google and you type in, is there nanotechnology in the vaccines? It's going to say, no fact check. That dude's mm-hmm. a liar. Mm-hmm. You know, and we know better, and, but it's been factually proven. Yeah, we know better. Well, well um, <laughs> there, there's one thing about it, Kent. We have nothing to gain by doing what we're doing. We work hard to try to get people to listen and to pay attention and understand what's going on. This isn't fun. This isn't something I would choose to do. I mean, I'd much rather. Uh, you know, be out playing golf or doing something besides this. I spend days a week working on newsletters and working on uh, putting together programs like this. And the reason I'm doing it is because we need to learn from other people, from the experts out there. Now, you mentioned how David is not one to go out on a limb, but he actually is one to go out on a limb in some ways. And the, he's been the the silver guru for as long as I can remember. Um, certainly, uh, quite a few years. David, one of the things that you've been this has been your whole life for the last what thirty forty years is right. the understanding of the value of precious metals because. This isn't something out of some conspiracy theory out of thin air. This is constitutional. It was part of our monetary system from day one. Indeed. I mean, uh, you know, brief study shows that uh, the Continental was used and uh, the Brits came in and uh, hyperinflated it, but really it was an unbacked fiat system. And the... uh, Founding fathers understood the importance of a sound monetary system, and that's why they wrote it into the law. And this is uh, still on the books, but um, and it's been challenged many times in the courts. And you know, Jefferson indicated that if we ever lost, you know, the three branches of government—the executive, the legislative, and the judicial—if we lost the judicial branch, we were basically doomed because that was the final say meaning that, you know, is it true or is it false? And so when uh, the constitutional money challenge came to the courts many times, the courts were basically corrupted. And they talked about what to call legal tender laws. Well, we got to remember that until the banking system was challenged a few times, uh, the only time we've been off of a central bank was under Andrew Jackson, but it came back. And with the advent of the Federal Reserve, which is a private corporation, they have had all this power that we talked about earlier in the show, Dan. And with that power, they have the power over what? Almost everything, including the judicial system. And so the legal tender laws just basically say that money is whatever we say it is, and whatever you have to say about the Constitution, you really don't care. Uh, you've got to use what we say because you can pay taxes. with, And because of that fact, therefore, uh, you know, quote unquote money or currency is whatever we say it is. 
you have to use it, blah, 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 blah. So there isn't really a standing where that law of the land, the higher than the Constitution, has been um, regrounded into the consciousness of the population. Uh, most people have no idea even how money is created. I mean, with the internet, a lot of people do know that when they apply for a mortgage or a car loan or whatever, that the bank just makes them sign it and they're actually creating their own money when they have a signature on a document from the bank saying, I want to borrow this much money to build a house. It doesn't exist. It's not a deposit in the bank. It's created out of nothing. So a lot has gone wrong. And um, because of that fact, we'll see the end is nigh. I mean, and that's, as I said earlier, why you see these competing ideas for barter or <clears throat> currency or blockchain, gold and silver backed uh, systems and whatever, because, uh, or Kent system, there's a lot that comes because people see what's happening. They're ahead of the curve and they are implementing means to circumvent the inevitable, which is basically the fall of the great monetary system and a replacement by hopefully what we want rather than what they are dictating. Well, that's an important point. Uh, we've got to be smart enough, and I by we, I mean the people in general, have got to be smart enough to do the research so that you're not a victim. <laughs> we've got to quit thinking of ourselves as victims, and we've got to start thinking of ourselves as independent, uh, thoughtful people who are going to do what's necessary to assure the survival of ourselves and our families. And that requires getting out of the system in one form or another. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to stick every dime into gold or silver. You've got to do, uh, you've got to go and sign up for uh, some kind of a, a food co-op or anything like that. You've got to do all of those things and you got to be able to, start working on a plan to get yourself outside of the system. Understand one thing. If you don't do something to get yourself outside of the system, you're going to be a victim. It's a guarantee. There's no question about it. It's guaranteed. And that's what you guys are talking about, is getting outside of the system by using your good common sense and uh, thinking outside of the box. Dan, I'd like to circle back to uh, something yeah. that uh, Kent said a while back, and he held up one of these things. And it reminded me of a science fiction movie. I'm not going to say I agree with him 100%, but it is food for thought. And that is a movie. It's called a Cell, C-E-L-L. -L. And the story follows a... Uh, a New England artist struggling to reunite with his young son. And there's this mysterious signal broadcast over these things. And it, that network turns the majority of the population into basically mindless fiends. Now, this is a science fiction movie, but it is ironic that a lot of what happens in the mainstream, especially film industry, can be sort of a setup or a way to forecast what um, 
what the powers that be may have in mind for us. And I didn't believe this at first, so I'll go out on that limb, maybe not as far as Kent, but I have determined for myself through careful analysis and looking, you know, backwards that I, I do believe the statement that these evildoers, I'll call them, are required to give us the information ahead of time. And they believe that that relieves them of a karmic debt. Because if they give us the idea of what they're going to do in the future and we don't resist, they're off the hook because we had the opportunity. Um, that's what I think. It doesn't prove it. I can't prove it. But it's certainly interesting if you go back and look at some of the, let's see, pre-programming that has taken place. And I know we're way off topic, but I mean, event 201. I mean, here's Gates mm -hmm. and doing this whole thing. And all of a sudden, this pandemic comes right after this rehearsal, 9-11. Uh, I mean, that was a uh, situation where there was uh, a... Um, an exercise, we'll call it an exercise that was being performed. And uh, all of a sudden, here's the reality of it. So there's a lot to this. And of course, when you get on these topics, unless you've actually examined them and looked at them objectively, you sound like you, you know, you've lost a couple of nuts and a screw is loose. But the <laughs> fact is that, uh, and that's because of the pre-programming there. I mean, mm -hmm. one is the, you know, term conspiracy theory from the FBI Basically, most people are so well, let's say, mind-controlled that when you use that two words, they'll just turn off automatically. And yet, if you ask them, they'll say, oh, I'm an objective thinker. I'm open-minded. I'll listen to you. But they don't. They've been programmed, and they don't even know they've been programmed. It's just like being in a society where you're basically in a slave system, but you believe you're free. These are the best mind-control systems that exist. Because if you believe the opposite, just like in 1984, you know, war is peace and uh, the other two, they are basically have got you because you are actually doing their bidding for them at that point. And you actually have a belief system that is inaccurate. Yeah, well, I, I think of the Matrix, uh, the movies, the Matrix, there was a a trilogy of uh, wonderful movies, and they talked about that's where we got the whole concept of the Red Pill Expo from, right. is uh, Morpheus and... and Neil talking about uh, the Red Pill or the Blue Pill, and it's amazing how much truth is in that very statement that the world you're living in is not real. You are living in a dream. You're living in a lie. And it's been created that way by people who want to control us. And I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The only thing that might be questionable about that is how far they've achieved their goals. But there's no question that's what they want to do. Uh, Kent, uh, you know, I know you are a, uh, I guess I would say a, a, a radically uh, diverse thinker. I think, you know, you, you think outside of the box uh, better than just about anybody I know. But 
you've been backed up by so many people in what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I think of uh, people like Celeste uh, Salam uh, that has said the very same thing. Our food supply has been literally littered with nanotechnology for the last two years. Uh, you can't get clean food anymore out of a grocery store. You're going to have to start raising it yourself. And when we were kids, our parents all had root cellars. Uh, I grew up with a root cellar. That was uh, where all of our gardening stuff, my mom used to can all this stuff, and then you'd put it in a root cellar. Uh, that was just part of growing up a kid with parents who went through the Depression. And that's why, because they remembered how it was when they didn't have any options. We need to start thinking a little bit more that way, because if, if we think of the worst case scenario, chances are we'll be able to get through anything they're putting in front of us. We're gonna to have to go back to uh, 1960, basically, if, if, you choose to live a organic human life. Mm -hmm. In my world, that is a fact. If you don't, you know, to some degree or, or another, you are susceptible to radio frequency manipulation. Meaning mm -hmm. anywhere, my control. Uh, yes, uh, you know, mind control. And, you know, it. Uh, I, I know that I just, I know that, that that sounds out there to most people, um, but it's what they've done. And, uh, you know, everything, everything is about perception. Anybody out there that watches mainstream news and here's the biggest thing i get well you know i watch uh fox news abc cbs nbc cnn whatever okay i watch it to see what they're telling the other side you know i want to see what they're feeling okay okay sure no problem but just realize that to some to some level is shaping your perception okay mm -hmm. and so me personally I, i'm a major huge uh i'm very knowledgeable about the law of attraction okay and i base every, most everything i know off of 1983 declassified caa document that admitted that we live in a holographic universe and the law of attraction is real and it, when I learned how to do this over three, four years ago, it literally, it changed my life financially. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, but here's the point that I'm making. They have mastered how to use their, the media in which they control to create perception. Okay. And I could lay off probably unlimited amount of bullet points that things that we have been 
totally lied to. The latest being the scamdemic. Okay. And most people out there, even listening to this program, believe that there was a pandemic. No, there was no pandemic. There was not even a virus. That's how good they are. That's how good they are. And so here, here's another example. People perceive the dollar as money. They perceive it as money because they can take it to the store and buy or, or wherever and buy goods or services. Well, as you know, the dollar has lost since 1913, approximately 97, 98%, it's probably up to 98 by now, 98% of its purchasing power, okay? Well, that's about ready to go away by design, all intentional. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with the six minutes we have left in this conversation, you know, I just like to say people, www.localfoods, plural, dot market. Now, with that said, we haven't launched it yet. Is it completed? Yes, it is, as of this last Friday. Okay. Now, what my next step will be is to be go out and call the National Farmers Market Association, uh, Food Grower Associations, market their farmers, okay, existing home food growers saying, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, I want to promote uh, your food growers, your farmers, and fill this up with many, many, many thousands of listings. And as they raise interest rates, because they're going to raise them again, um, and as they continue to digitally print billions upon trillions more, inflation continues to rise, and what food is in a store is poison, expensive poison. You better be grow, establishing local connections. You know, in part one of my last report, I had information on how to grow, start your own home garden, uh, join or start a community garden. Uh, I had close to 100 different examples of, of uh, co-ops. Uh, food clubs, uh, you know, the nationwide, worldwide for that matter. And so right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the time to take action. Um, I have a, a digital asset that's not in any exchanges. The value of it will based on, be based on the ability to eventually purchase millions of food items. If that's not your uh, cup of tea, let, let's use that phrase. There is another digital asset called Load, L-O-D-E, okay? Uh, David Morgan it, it, it backs it. It's backed by gold and silver, okay? And so, you know, there are different alternatives out there. You know, always have small denominations of gold. Uh, I'm a silver guy, uh, just not because I'm friends with David Morgan, but it's, it's more, uh, uh, you can spend it more easily within small denominations, okay? Doors right. <clears throat> gold is more of a store of value. And so, you, you know, now is the time to do uh, something. If you're not doing something, if you don't get out of your chair today and locate uh, different 
uh, local resources, you're screwed. Well, you're done. Can, you're going to um, be ejected. What, in... and, and what you're saying, and that we are running out of time. Damn it, we always run out of time. And I, everybody thinks two hours is too long. It isn't even getting started. But the bottom line is, is that we've got to be proactive, not reactive. And you're absolutely right. Start building those relationships, those chains, those groups of supporters within your community, within your family. If you don't have family, do it with your neighbors. But the bottom line is you need to get yeah. outside of the system so that when everything collapses, you're in a position where you can function and survive. And... Um, Go out and find non-hybrid organic seeds. Buy seeds. I'm telling you, seeds will be worth their weight in gold any time in, in the future when things start going down fast. And believe me, a non-hybrid seed, something that cannot be uh, you know, they can they can build the inability to make its own seeds into it. Uh, that's how they control so much of the, you know, you go out and buy a pack of burpee seeds, it won't grow its own seeds. You've got to get uh, non-hybrid seeds to do that. Um, I, I want to give, uh, David, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, the Morgan Report, please. Well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, uh, just go to the website, themorganreport.com, and sign up for our free letter. Uh, there is a publication that's a paid service, but I just want everyone on the free list because uh, I have been shadow banned for years and uh, I've got a couple strikes on YouTube. I also have alternative platforms. I'm on Odyssey and several others. So, so if something happens on the mainstream platform, we're good to go. But I just want your email so I can contact you directly. Well, and uh, you've been a tremendous friend and a tremendous resource. Um, you would just got back from uh, Las Vegas. You were at the Money Show in Las Vegas uh, just last week. You were one of the keynote speakers and worked on several of the panels. You're a big dog. Whether people, uh, just because you're on my show doesn't mean you're uh, a, a, a rinky-dink. You're on my show because you're a big dog. <laughs> And uh, there's nobody in the business that I think knows any more about the uh, the sound money policies than you do, David. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dan. Can't uh, I'm going to start calling you Big Dog? Big Dog. Uh, can't talk about uh, first of all your different websites. Your uh, Freedom Social. Uh, 1776 token and localfoods.market. 1776token.com, um, brand new website, uh, about 99% complete because it's brand new. And, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we've got our own, uh, private membership association and, and, uh, we're looking to uh, pay it forward and help some people live free and eat healthy. Pay it forward. 
Okay, great. Well, thank you both for being guests. This is uh, this is a subject that's so incredible. You watch what's going to start unraveling this week because uh, First Republic going down over the weekend. All I can tell you is that things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And so if you want to survive, you need to start paying attention and you need to get yourself at least partially outside of the system. And you can do that with sound money and you can do that with working with your neighbors and friends in private membership associations just like uh, Kent has been talking about. So, gentlemen, thank you both. It looks like uh, uh, Pamphlet is ready to take off with the campaign show. But thank our listeners for joining us, and please pay attention. Go to themorganreport.com. Go to freedom.social and learn more about what's going on in our world. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Big dog. (laughs) Big dog. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas oh, from sea to shining sea from Detroit down to Houston and New York to LA where there's pride in every American heart and it's time we stand and say Today